Welcome to another episode of Backlash Podcast. I'm Jeff with Team Rhino Outdoors. If you want more information on Team Rhino Outdoors, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. My co-host tonight is just Brad Hoppy from Muskie Mayhem Tackle. You can find more about Muskie Mayhem Tackle by checking out MuskieMayhemTackle.com. And we have two guests tonight. We both repeat guests. We have Mike Keys with Keys Outdoors and Brian Schaefer. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing great. Good. Excellent. So, Brad, I'm going to do it because I just did it on every other podcast. Where is Carrie? Uh, she's still down and out, man. She's... I, I do I do understand the problem. I'm still dealing with this stuff. It's yeah, been I've... like two weeks. Well, before we started recording here, I heard you hacking pretty good, but I'm I'm just wondering what this just Brad Hoppy is. You said I got my co-host Brad Hoppy, just Brad Hoppy. Yeah, well, it would be just Brad Hoppy because normally I have to say Carrie Hoppy, but she's been ditching out on us for the last three weeks using this illness and sickness as an excuse. I'm still here. I'm still reporting for duty. <laughs> well, we were doing a little filming earlier, and um, it was tricky. Put it that way. Mike could probably explain better. She kept hacking and hacking. Nice. But it's late, so she's in bed. Understandable. It is late. It's 9.28 on... Sunday, September 29th, for anybody that wants to know when we're, when we're recording this. If you can't tell, our information has been very up-to-date lately because Brad and I are slightly busy, and normally it's like, um, we kind of need to do something this week or we're going to miss on Wednesday, and we don't want to let anybody down yet. So we'll do that later on. We'll build up their hopes, and then we'll crush their dreams. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. What are we going to talk about tonight, guys? I think what we should talk about is uh, this fall transition. I know the last one we just did um, earlier this past week, you know, we talked more about suckers than anything. And I think we should uh, talk more about the fall transition and, and what's going to take place as these water temps start to fall and uh, some different uh, ways of catching other than suckers. We should do that. We should also talk to Mike and get an update on how his season's going because we talked to him. He was one of our first guests back in like June, probably. So the season had just started getting rolling. So we'll get an update from Mike too on how that's going. Yeah, it, no, it's been it's been good. Um, number wise, we're doing really good. Uh, big fish kind of eluding uh, us a little bit, but you know we're getting into that time of the year, and I think that things will pick up. Um, it's been a funky year for big fish and, you know, people that have fished with a lot and talked to a lot have pretty much said the same thing. Good numbers of fish, big fish illusion, you know, just not happening. I would agree with that for the most part. That's kind of been our, our deal. We found a few decent sized fish, but nothing, we haven't gotten any fifties. And honestly, we're just about done filming for our YouTube stuff. So I don't even know if we'll get a chance at a 50, but Brad, what I mean, are you seeing the same thing in the water? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I've had a pretty good year. I guess I have four over 50 in the boat this year, but fishing big fish, water. So it's a little bit different. A couple of them trolling, the, the other two uh, casting. Had some opportunities at some, just, you know, come up short here and there. But uh, it's it's been a strange season. The whole season has been weird here in Minnesota. And it doesn't matter where you're talking you know, northern part, southern part, the fish seem very, very scattered. And uh, what I mean scattered by is uh, one foot of water to 20 foot of water. And no real consistency when you when you locate a fish, try to duplicate it, 
and duplicating doesn't always work. You have a fish that follows, don't count on coming back to it and actually catching it. Well, let's, by by time most of the people listen to this, it'll be like midweek. Let's talk about the week ahead because you guys are going to be doing some filming this week with Mike. Are you going to be seeing the same kind of temperature swings that we're seeing, that what I've seen? Because tomorrow by us, it's supposed to be 80. And by the end of the end of the week or probably like midweek even, it's supposed to be like 52. Is that kind of what you guys are going to be dealing with here really soon? Yeah, honestly, I mean, we just came out of our two coldest evenings of the year. Not last night. I think last night was down in the low 40s. Um, the night before, we were in 37 degrees. I mean, we had frost, you know, on the boats outside. And now we're going to do the full swing. And, I mean, that's been this whole season. Wind changes daily. I mean, today it's southeast. Tomorrow it's northwest. The next day it's northeast. It's been that way all season. We've dealt with giant winds. Um, Not only on that, but also the temperature swings as well. And so, you know, we had, what, a high of right around maybe 50 today, 48, somewhere in there, misting, kind of crappy cold. Tomorrow they're talking 81 degrees. Yeah, I don't think we were quite in the 50s, but we were probably close to 60 today, and same kind of deal. Supposed to be 80 tomorrow, supposed to be a little bit cooler on on Tuesday, and then we're, like I said, we're supposed to see like mid-50s for the rest of the week, which is going to put us right sliding into that fall transition. You know, early October can still be uh, shallow musky fishing, but I'm assuming that we're going to see that shallow migration change to deep break lines to, you know, a more of a deeper presentation here pretty soon yeah for sure you know and i mean you come off of a cold morning you definitely want to be looking at uh you know rock piles darker weeds where that sun's going to warm that up quicker uh typically shallower but i don't know man i it, it's going to be interesting we get on the water tomorrow yesterday i struggled um i know that there was some fish caught but again very sporadic you got to be in the right place at the right time so, Mike, let's talk a little bit, let's get a little bit deeper into this season for you. Have you taken any, like, cool small river adventures that guys have to look forward to this this coming season? You know, I I haven't yet. I, I shouldn't say that I did. I, I, I checked out some new water, Jeff, and was not successful. But the reason why I wasn't successful is because of all the rain that we had, the current in the water fluctuation on the rivers, have really been uh, not beneficial at all. And again, I, I just think that with the the rain that we've got, you know, it, it's been tough. I, I'm going to. It's on my agenda. I'm still going to get out and, um, you know, hit some small rivers. I was actually, Brian and I just got off of a shoot where we were on the Bay of Green Bay, had some success there. And then I told Brian, I said, you know, I'm going to get over, which would have been, you know, earlier this week or last week. I wanted to get over and hit some river stuff. And then we got bombarded with uh, rain again. And um, when that water level raises like that, uh, those fish can get, you know, they scatter. It just, it, it can be very tough. Yeah, I have a few smaller rivers I thought I wanted to try to fish this year. I generally spend some time in october on the rivers and i'm worried about the same kind of thing you're talking about i'm going man it's going to be tough if if things don't level out a little bit because i think man i think we're supposed to get a couple inches of rain again this week it's just unbelievable the weather that we've had to deal with this year the fact that guys are catching fish is i mean it's pretty remarkable actually right right and i you know a lot of it is is that 
okay, so the river's high, and those fish usually when the river's high, you know, you're looking for those current obstacles that will break that current. But then it becomes an issue of boat control. And, you know, with these smaller boats that I'm fishing out of, they're, they're fast. They're fast on the water. So when you are now used to a current flow of about a half mile an hour, and now you're cooking at about two and a half miles an hour, in some cases, you're just not covering and casting the water efficiently that you should be. So you try to get the boat control in line, but, you know, the boats that I'm in, you know, you don't have that foot control, so you have to manually do it by hand and now try to cast. It can really, um, you know, it can it can be a challenge. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, I think that things are going to, you know, fall is a good time to be on these small rivers. You can float meat as well as, uh, you know, still use the same lure presentations that we use typically on the rivers, you know, your glide baits do really well in this time of the year, your, your blades do really well, top water, you know, Hey, I mean, we're September, October, you know, top water can still be pretty good. So, you know, it's just getting a break in the weather so we can get out is really what I'm looking for. So let's, uh, let's transition away from that. Get back to what we initially talked about. And now we kind of got an update on what Mike's been up to. Let's talk about fall and fall transition. And you want to talk about turnover tonight, Brad? That's not I don't know if we touched on that at all. Did we talk about turnover on any of these episodes? Maybe a little bit. I, I honestly I don't really remember, but you know, I there's certain bodies of water that turnover really becomes a big issue. There's no doubt about it. And I don't know what's going to happen yet this year. I mean, we keep having these little warm-up spells, but honestly, I thought turnover was going to happen earlier meaning earlier than normal. Normally for my bodies of water, it's mid-October and our temperatures have fallen really quick. Yeah, I would agree. I, I thought we'd see turnover too. I thought we'd actually start seeing it maybe now with the way September had started out, but then it it normalized for a couple days and then it got super warm and now we're looking at super warm again for a little while. So I'm assuming water temperatures are kind of up and down. I haven't been on the water in, I don't know, two weeks. So I'm guessing the water temperatures are probably low 60s, I would imagine. Is that probably about right? Yeah, we're, we're hitting around 63 degrees on the waters that I'm fishing. And, you know, looking at looking at kind of all the way down to Iowa, northern Minnesota, I mean, that's pretty typical from what I'm seeing right now. You know, when we get down into the 50s, that's when our turnover is going to happen. And honestly, you know, one of the things that you got to think about, we've hit like 64, 65 degrees, and then the next day you're out, it's sunny and calm, and it boom, it shoots back up to 71. Keep in mind, that's the surface. You know, that surface is is one reading, but you get five feet down in that water column, and that's really the true water temps that we're dealing with. So typically with this time of year, let's just say we're going in the upper 50s. What what should the angler hit in the water in the next couple weeks? What should they be looking at? I'm assuming at this point, you know, in the next couple days, like I said, I would imagine that with the temperatures we have coming and the the temp- water temps are going to cool and that the fish are going to start pushing out of the shallows. I'm assuming you're going to start looking at, like you said, deeper break lines and rocks. Is that kind of what you're going to start to look for, Brad? Shallow too. Right during, uh, right during um, turnover, uh, shallow can be really good. And 
We've had this debate and this discussion over the years on why it drives those fish shallow, and it could be oxygen. So don't be afraid to go shallow. What do you find out, Brian? I think this next week, I think there's going to be a real big push into the shallows you know, before they push out. Because lately, they've been scattered. You can find them deep, weed edges, and really shallow. But I think there's going to be a hard shallow push. Okay, well, let's do this. Let's define shallow because I have, I have heard, I have heard, and I don't do much of it when, basically, when things start turning over, I normally go find a river to go fish. I don't fish during turnover a lot. But I have heard that a lot of guys will go, they'll fish shallow. Now, shallow to, to some guys would be like six to eight feet of water. But I've heard that when, the, when you're talking shallow during turnover, it's like ultra shallow, like two feet of water. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah, that one to five, you know. That, yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when turnover really hits, I mean, the water gets dirty and it, it's turmoil. I mean, say it's in a washing machine. You know what I mean? You, the lake is spilling and oozing out all this garbage, basically. Yeah. So those fish, they're going to uh, slide in tighter and use some of the structure that you typically wouldn't have ever fished, you know? On the lakes over here, like some of the big clear lakes in northern Wisconsin, certain areas will turn before other. I mean, it'll be dark and cloudy on one part of the lake and you have that over here too for sure for sure you know unfortunately this year unless something changes um consistent winds can help with that yeah. but you know when we're having i mean literally we've been fishing in 30 to 35 mile an hour winds about every two days it, it's been bizarre kind of hurts the old uh boat control but uh for the most part if you got big flats and things like that you can you can make do in those big winds but yeah for sure parts of the lakes are going to change differently um, you've got those big basins that are going to be different than your shallow basins. Yep. So, Well, I'm going back to the wind. Um, like I said, Brian and I just got off a Green Bay thing, and we actually, a big part of our game plan was the wind. And we looked at all of the structure. We had an east wind. Imagine that on Green Bay this year. But we looked at, well, actually, it switched to a southeast, and we looked at all of the structure, Jeff, that was – running um and facing that southeast break and that's where we had our success yeah, so fish. we were using all the fish that we had we didn't fish anything unless it was super heavy duty wind blown in weeds that was fun then it was yeah it was fun boat control an issue yes but it was um successful for us and it was we would notice right away when we'd get up on those edges that were heavily windblown, we would start to see an, a massive amount of bait. Well, you know, the old saying, we say it all the time, you find the bait, you find the fish, and they take advantage because it was just pushing all of that biomass and all of that bait up hard against those ledges. Yeah, it, it worked out good for us. So don't. I guess what I'm saying is, is, you shouldn't get discouraged on it. You should probably try to use it to your advantage. And that's what we talked about during the show is using the wind to our advantage. And it actually congregated those fish on the, on the edge, you know, of those winds, windswept points. I, I definitely saw it. I, I've had seen that quite a bit this year. Wind had been more of a factor in fishing the winded areas. There was one time we were out, we didn't move anything. We basically went into a, the, a bay and we fished a point going into this bay 
where the wind was just pounding hard in there all day long. And like you said, we had the bait in there, and I knew it wouldn't be long, and we'd at least have action for my muskie. And we ended up catching three right off that, you know, right in that same little bay. It wasn't a very big area, but there was three nice muskies in there. Right. And same, same kind of deal. So it pays to check certain things out. I know a lot of people want to run from it because they don't like fishing in it, which I can understand why you don't want to. Boat control's a pain. Everything about it's not enjoyable. But Right. And the thing that sucked with us is when we went out there, it was Brian's turn to run the boat. And he, says, <laughs> <laughs> and he said, it looks like you're running the boat today. He goes, I'm a guy. I do this all the time. You can run the boat today. I was like, geez, Brian, thanks. You know? You did but, a great job. Though. Yeah. But, you know, and that's what you just got to put your trolling motor on high. And uh, you just got to kind of just... You know, with Green Bay, not only do you have the winds, but you now have three and a half foot waves that you're contending with. But, you know, I, I've learned that, you know, I've been blessed, Jeff, to be able to fish with some of the top muskie guides in the country, like Mr. Hoppy. And, you know, boat control is really the key to success. If you can keep that boat where you need it to be so you're making good casts, you know, your odds are just going to be greatly increased by doing so. Hey, Brad, he actually paid you a compliment instead of giving you a hard time like I do. I just gave him a 20. <laughs> yeah. say, that, that must be nice, huh? Feels good to get get a pat on the back once in a while, huh, Brad? I, I just held it up to the light. It didn't look real. <laughs> I had to give him a $20 bill, but, I mean, we're okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> 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 no, you know, one thing that you can't forget, too, is that um, I agree with everything Mike just said, because I'm a freak when it comes to boat control. But, you know, the other thing that you can do is utilize that wind to help that boat control, too. I think a lot of guys forget about that. You know, one way to do that is drive into the wind. Um, that way you can kind of slow down your presentations. But another way to do that is side drift and make sure that you position the boat where everybody in the boat can actually hit the structure. Well, let's let's talk about uh, boat control. Let's dive into that with you a little bit more. You're a guide. You obviously have a ton of experience on the water. How did you learn boat control? How was how did you learn how to position your boat in the wind? Was it is it again just time on the water, you know, trying to figure things out? Do you have any tips for guys on on how to position in the wind or how to fish in the wind? Oh, for sure. I mean, I time on the water it trumps everything, really. I mean, honestly, that's that's the real gig. But there's a few tricks. You know, as a guide, I run the boat from the back. And one of the things that I do is I always have my depth from my bow at my feet in the back. Um, you can't totally rely on map cards. I mean, they're really good. They're phenomenal. But depth of the water, to me, is more key than anything. So as you're working a structure... If I am using a rear transducer, you know, on, on my transom, it's too late. With a 20-foot boat, I'm already on top of the structure on half the boat. So I've found that running depth off the bow at my feet is way, way, way critical. And then you got the side imaging, too, with the weeds. Yeah, um, side imaging has definitely helped. Yeah, big Amazing. time. Big time. You can use that to follow the weed line like Brian just said. I mean, that's huge. You're right. You know, I actually learned that this year from fishing with Brian because I was so reliant on just the depth that I wasn't paying attention to my side imaging shooting out. 
And like Brian said, if you have your side imaging set at 65 feet and it's within that view, then your casts are, are hitting over the top of it. And it, it really helped me. And, you know, Brian was like, Mike, can you see the weeds? Can you see the weeds? It just really, it's been a benefit to have now not only the depth and, and I agree, people ask me all the time and I'm not a guy, Mike, why do you fish out of the back of your boat? And I said, because I want my graph to be in real time. If I have it, I have a 21 foot boat. And if I have my, my graph or my electronics out the front of the boat and I'm 20 feet behind it, it's too late. Like, like Brad said, now, if I'm fishing on the back of the boat, my transducer and everything is right underneath my feet, I'm reading that graph in real time. So if I have an inside pocket that I have to hit, I know exactly where I need to start positioning and cutting out to make sure that we're getting those casts. Brian, how do you feel about working on the back of the boat? Oh, exactly. Just what you said. I mean, I use um, side imaging for my finding the weeds. I know right where they're at. And I know on my cast. And everybody's casts are coming over the weeds off the break. So keep that in that visual. Now you exactly. have that, that yeah. visual there. And if they disappear, I know I have to come in. Yeah. Or start coming out towards the board, I know I have to put the board out. There is there is one more piece to the puzzle that I learned pretty much this summer, actually. You know, our bodies of water have been infested by zebra mussels and our water is way cleaner and clearer than it's ever been. And what that's caused is it's caused coontail to grow off the cabbage line. And some of that coontail is now growing in 24 to 28 feet of water. What I'm learning is that these muskies aren't really relating to that deep water coontail. And so now depth becomes apparent again as well. And what I mean by that is, is if you're just casting to that weed edge, sometimes you have to be on top of those weeds so that you're fishing the right weeds. Does that make sense, Jeff? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm learning that, hey, I can have the boat position over the coontail that's way deep in the water column and fish the cabbage weeds themselves. I mean, obviously, we all know that muskies like cabbage. You know, it's a, if you will, it's like looking through trees instead of leaves. You know what I mean? The, the, the bases of the trees versus uh, the thick forest, if you will. Right, right. So... And even what you say there, time on the water. Yep, it is. It is time. Time on the water. But that, that comes from running different depths and figuring out where am I actually seeing the fish. Am I seeing them in 20 feet of water? Or am I seeing them in 15 feet of water? Or maybe it's in 8 feet of water. And like Brian just said, that's time on the water and putting that together. I mean, that's ultimately for a guide. That's the biggest advantage. It's time on the water. I mean, we're not weekend warriors. We're on the water every day. Must be nice. <laughs> oh, it's it's uh, very glamorous. That, that's what I figured it was. Yeah. yeah. Very I think glamorous. I think we actually talked about how glamorous <laughs> it was before we started before we started recording, didn't we? Yeah, we did. A couple extra wrinkles on the face. Yeah. I actually have to tell you that I have I don't I'm not jealous of any musky guide ever, especially when it gets to fall. There's so many days I wake up and I think to myself, man, I'm glad I don't have to go fishing today. Right. We were just talking about that on the way up. You know, everything after a while becomes a job. Yep. There's nothing wrong with being the weekend warrior or taking a week off and doing it. No. You know, but honestly, I mean, 
if a pattern changes from weekend to weekend, that's where those guys struggle. But once they dial back in, they're set. You know what I mean? <laughs> this year, it's been a, it's almost been a weekly change. You know, our winds are swirling so much that it's made us work harder for each catch. Well, that's what I was going to say. How often does a pattern actually hold from weekend to weekend, Brad? Well, there's weeks when it does happen, but you know, it, <laughs> it hasn't been, it hasn't been this year or in this fall. No, it really hasn't. It really hasn't, Jeff. I think the only thing consistent about this year was really the spring. Oh, uh, the spring was very, yeah, it was a late spring. We noticed that on a couple of our shoots, you know, catching, uh, which we normally never do. Usually when our season starts in Wisconsin for the Southern opener, they're usually paired up. And this year we are catching nice fish that were, uh, you know, pre, pre-spawn that were coming in. Big females were coming in. So it was Ashley and look at Malax. That's about an every five-year deal up there, man. You know what I mean? Where, you know, usually by the time the opener here in Minnesota is, those fish are already out of those bays and they're off in, well, wherever they go, that's the big mystery. Like on the Bay of Green Bay, after the spawn, where do those fish go? They're not in shallow. The weeds aren't up. Where are they? Well, you know, that, uh, you know, that was, this was a good year this year. We had that uh, early season and it produced and there it was. Malax was prime. I know guys had had seven fish days up there. Yeah, it, it was good. For those weeks and then once they spawn then what you know hey where do they go that's there was a the big, big mystery man you know there was a window yeah. in there of, of struggle east winds in spring mm-hmm. oh spring was northeast winds. Yeah. Yeah. you're right well eventually mike with the amount of anglers on on green bay this these days somebody's going to crack that code and then those fish are going to ha- they're going to have pressure on them all the time because true if you can remember way back in the early days of green bay like old school musky guy was the only guy fishing Green Bay and he was only doing it in the month of November. That was it. They'd fished the Fox River in the month of November. That was the only time they did it. Yeah. True. And then uh, you know, then it started to that guy started to venture out into the bay and things got a little more a little earlier and then or you know, earlier in the season and then next thing you know, they're like, "Oh, well these fish are already here in the river in the spring. Let's go fish them in the spring cuz yep. for a while there was nobody fishing those fish in the spring. You'd hear you know, a walleye guy would accidentally catch one, but that was it. Right. And that's, there's that one time period now from probably, I would say like mid, you know, probably like the first, second week in June to the first, first two weeks in July. There's that month to five, six weeks where nobody knows where they go, but eventually somebody's going to crack that code. And like I said, then there's going to be nowhere for those muskies to hide ever. There's going to be no safe haven. And, you know, I think, Jeff, that there, you know, I'm hearing rumblings and rumors that there are a couple guys that are figuring that out. And really what it comes down to is, is that they, they feel or what I've heard is that they move out to that 20 foot of water. You know, they're just hunting, hunting bait at that time. And, uh, you know, so who knows? Who knows? I, I, that's the big mystery, and a guy's got to figure that out, and, and it will get cracked. Everything does eventually. Mm-hmm. Oh, I figured that was the same deal, too. I kind of figured that the, that's where they went. They went out in that 20-foot of water, and they were probably just fewer fewer and farther between. you know. But if you were a guy that wanted to spend a week out there and trolling, obviously, is going to be your best option to, to track them down. 
but you could spend a week out there trolling and I would imagine you'd have a shot at catching some fish out there. I would think so. You know what I mean? But it's, it's a needle in a haystack. You know what I mean? Because the thing with, with a, a place like green Bay is 20 foot of water could be five miles Yep. before it change before it drops down to 25 feet of water. I mean, you know, it's, it's so vast. And, uh, so, yeah, I mean, if a guy put time in there, um, I, I would think that you would figure it out. But, you know, I've been all over that bay, man, and uh, it's a mystery to me. And uh, I think at that time of the year, you know, where and then where the success comes is once the weeds grow, start to grow, that then draws them in. Because the bait fish are now utilizing the weeds that are coming up and it just congregates those fish. Green Bay actually fishes very small. You know that. You know what I mean? For how big it is. Agreed. I, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it's not like there's a ton of structure to work. So, yeah, it's. I think it's just an open water thing that they got going on. Yeah, I agree. For guys that are thinking Green Bay is this giant, vast body of water, it is giant and vast, but there's definitely a concentration of muskies in certain areas that makes targeting it way easier than you would have ever imagined. Right. I know, I know. I just remember looking back on it the first times I started looking at it. I was like, holy man, look at all the water out here. Like the very first time I went from out of the river to the mouth, you know, to the mouth and you could just see out into the bay. You're like, holy cow, like, look at all this water. But you'd be surprised how small it fishes nowadays. Right. Yeah. Once once the pieces of the puzzle came together, it actually fishes very it back for how big it is. It, it fishes smaller than any other big body of water I know. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, so we've kind of talked on a bunch of different topics. Yeah, we've, we've kind of swung around full circle here. We're, yeah. we're supposed to talk fall. We were, but we talked about spring and summer, <laughs> fall. We got we got to cover. Do you want to cover got... my hair plugs that I just got? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so I'm thinking that I... Mike, Mike's got dreads now. Yeah. Does he? Nice. <laughs> I haven't seen him in a while, so that's good. Got I'll be anxious. Special protein drink too. Yeah. That's gonna be that's gonna be nice to see that on the show this year, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Did you pick up a sponsor for that one too, or not? Uh, no, not yet. But I'm working <laughs> on it. Great Deal. clips did it. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> they, they weave. Uh, all right. Let's keep this on topic now. I know it's tough to do once in a while, but let's do it. Okay, fall. Brad, what do you want to talk about with fall? Well, I think we should talk to Brian a little bit more about turnover. You know, we kind of started in there, and it looked like he had a couple things to say, and we kind of swayed. And then we cut him right off. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, that's going to happen once in a while. All right, let's talk to Brian then. Brian, let's talk. Let's talk about turnover. What? Why don't, why don't you tell me what you know about turnover? Because it seems to be a kind of mysterious thing to a lot of different people. I've heard it's like fifty-five degrees is when water starts turning over. Well, it's it's pretty mysterious to me too. But um, you know, like I was saying before, some of our big waters, guys are going. One part of the lake will be really cloudy and dirty, but you can still have crystal clear water on the other side those are the bigger deeper clear lakes but there's always somewhere to go you know you got the rivers they don't turn smaller lakes they won't turn but yeah mid 50s anywhere under 60 you can start seeing some of that cloudy water fishing get tough um and then low 50s it starts clearing up and fish will move off into the deeper water 
So, but there's always somewhere to fish. You know, you go to a, a water, and if it's dirtier than normal, it kind of has a foul smell to it. You know, there's especially up in northern Wisconsin. There's thousands of lakes. There's plenty of lakes that go to or you can always go to a river and usually the rivers during that time are super hot so yes i would agree that's typically what i do to avoid it i think one of the things that i've noticed during turnover too is that a lot of times sand shelves will provide a little bit clearer water and more fish i think um not unlike muskies the bait fish tend to go look for some good water too and so you know I don't care what time of the year it is. Um, if you can find bait, there's usually big fish behind them. So generally speaking, I, I've found that sand shelves seem to be kind of a ticket. Well, so Brad, do you, what do you, what's your tip? What's your tactic during turnover? Do you fish the same lake you, you typically fish or are you bouncing off to somewhere else? What's your, generally what's your strategy? Cause I'm assuming you fish all the way through it. Right. And for you, if I'm, if I know you right, I'm assuming you're not going to a river. No, see, I mean, for me, where I'm at here, rivers really aren't part of the equation. So um, there are some other, you know, not all lakes change at the same time. You got to keep that in mind as well. So don't get me wrong. We'll put some miles on the truck um, and try to find some other bodies of water that aren't in that changeover period. But don't get me wrong. I I also have clients that, hey, I want to fish on this particular body. Um, And so what's that mean? Well, you're going to stick it out on whatever body that they truly want to fish, right? That's where I would say that, uh, generally speaking, I'm looking for, you know, maybe it's the non-windy side. We have a northwest wind, and everything's kind of green. That green is going to get pushed. You know, all the filth in the water is getting pushed one direction. I'm going to go to the other direction and see if that stuff is a little bit cleaner. All in all, I mean, some of those steep breaks with some sand, can generally pay off well since you mentioned paying customers and or clients wanting to fish a body of water that was one thing i was going to propose to brian so brian i know northern wisconsin you have lots of options let's just say a customer or a client whatever you like prefer to call them wants to fish a particular body of water and you know it's turnover what's your what's your tactic there obviously you're going to be fishing it well as brad said stated earlier you know find bait fish you know while it's turning, basically all that's happening, they're just scattered. I mean, the fish are just scattered. And if you find the bait fish, there's always going to be fish there. They're still biting, you know. So we find bait fish, you know, again, like Mike stated too, you know, windblown points, the sand, fish. There's still fish real shallow too during turnover. So they're just scattered, but we'll look for bait fish and fish um, windblown points and uh, find some clear water if there's some clear water in the lake. But that's pretty much hard handle it. I think every basin is a little bit different too. You know, I mean, if you break down a lake, you know, it's it's like going to a new body of water. Are you going to go from the west end to the east end, from the north end to the south end? I mean, how do you break down a lake when you first go to a lake to try to learn it? By rights, you should say, okay, I'm going to work this area and I'm going to try to break this down. I'm going to learn the most I can about this area. Then you can start exploring and start adding to the whole equation. And I think it's no different during turnover. Driving around isn't a bad thing, but once you've driven around and picked your area, pick it and pick it apart. I think you just got to fish a little slower too, you know. It's not that they're not eating. They'll they'll eat. 
Well, Brad, if you're from Wisconsin, if you want to learn a lake, you just go find the nearest weed bed and you cast over it with a, a bucktail. That's what we do. What kind of bucktail? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to come up with some smart remark, but I didn't. I didn't do it. I was gonna. <laughs> no, you know the thing. I think Brian just alluded to something that's very important too, and that's slowing things down. I generally, I mean. You know, speed can be a big giant factor. I've talked about this numerous times on this podcast, but speed of retrieval, in my opinion, is number two, number three, somewhere in there with, I I would say weather trumps everything, but, you know, slowing things down sometimes is very, very critical. You know, that's one of the neat things about bigger bladed baits, like our double cowgirl and stuff. You can slow them way down. And when fish are being finicky, generally slower is better. Well, there you go. Old man Hoppy wanting to slow it down again. I read all this stuff about yeah. faster, 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 and every time I talk to you, you want me to go crank it as slow as I can. That's true. I I, I said it to my uh, clients last week. We had a whole group of Swedish guys here, and, and I, I looked them right in the eye because the problem is is that they want to burn, burn, burn. I mean, it's a natural tendency. You get your hands on a reel, what are you doing? You're burning that bait, right? And it doesn't matter if it's a bucktail or topwater. It doesn't matter. Burn, burn, burn. I, I looked at them. I said, listen. Does a fat guy run to the fridge to get something to eat or does he walk? And they looked at me and I said, Hey, when they're looking for an easy meal, slow is better. If I'm hungry, I run, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say you were fat though. <laughs> uh, I'm fat and I walk. Well, I'm fat too and I run. <laughs> well, maybe I can burn like two calories no. before I get that candy bar. Yeah, right. Does that kind of relate to the, there's two bowls on top of the hill? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. No, slow and steady can win the game, there's no doubt, you know. Covering water, fast is good, you know, trying to locate fish. But honestly, I mean, in the last month, I was telling these guys before we started, we don't, we're not getting the follows in the figure eight fish like we normally would get. They either eat or you don't see them. And that could be frustrating because now you're not locating fish. And even if you do have a follow, don't count on it being there later when you go back to fish on it, you know? So it's been a strange season all the way around. Well, Brad, I know that I pretty sure I had a, I don't remember the exact context of the story, but somebody had sent me a message on either, I don't know, one of our social medias through backlash. I think it was, you know, talking, telling me about how he listened to you, about going bigger and slower during whatever difficult time he was dealing with, and he ended up catching fish. So he owes it to you for that, I guess. So apparently slow wins the race on occasion. Yeah, I think it's uh, it, it's hanging it in their face. Maybe they're not so into just running and crushing a bait. So sometimes slower, keeping it in their face, in the strike zone, will uh, a lot of times manage those fish too to follow and hopefully eat. Well, and I think too that it's, it, everything is a progression. So like you get out on the water, I think what you do and in, in how we usually handle things is, you know, well, okay, we're gonna, you start out burning. The fish are gonna tell you what they you want. So we'll start out smaller bucktails and we'll see if speed is what they want. And we'll throw and usually typically, I personally will run a lure for at least an hour, an hour and a half over good structure. If I don't, if I don't raise a fish or see a fish, 
then it's change. And then what I'll do is, again, then I'll, I'll continue to keep that lure on, but now speed will be, you know, dialed back. Is it a slower presentation do they want? Do they want erratic? So you're always playing that game. I think that speed, whether it be fast or slow, is first. And then once you get that speed, and let's say now all of a sudden you're going slower, you're raising fish, but they're not eating, well, then now it could be a color thing. And so it's a progression. And it, it's every day, and it could change every day. But, Brian, how many times do we go out and we start out and we ask each other, what are you going to throw? You're going to go big, I'm going small. You know what I mean? Or I'm going big, you're going small. Uh, how or fast are you going to work shallow. or deeper yeah. shallow? It's the same thing. It's just figuring it out, and the fish will tell you. And, you know, we always say that, and that's kind of like a cliche saying is let the fish tell you what they want. Really, in, in all actuality, it's the truth. You, When you start seeing fish, then you're doing something right. And it's, again, one of the things is, is me being able to fish with Brian over the years, I've never, and I've fished with a lot of people, Schaefer is probably one of the most, how can I explain it? He's, he's always, okay, we just moved a fish, and he'll recap what just happened. And, okay, we were deep. Boat was, the boat was in 20 feet of water. It was this particular lure that we moved it on. And then he'll try to duplicate it. But he's very uh, vocal, if you will, in the boat with me on it. And after a day of fishing with him, it's like either like, okay, dude, I was just at first it was like, okay, dude, I was just there with you. I seen what happened. But it's like he's reinforcing himself to say, okay, this is what we've had success with. This is what we did it. So it's a process of elimination. And he's very vocal about it in the boat, which makes me a better fisherman. Because now I'm paying attention to those things. You're right. We were in 20 feet of water. Yes, you were burning this. Yes, it was this color. You know what I mean? And you start, and once you program yourself as a fisherman to tell you that, it again, it's putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And, and probably one of, the, one of the better fishermen to vocalize that than anybody I've ever fished with is, and it's made me a better fisherman because he's making me think of things systematically as we're going. It's all about the details. It is. It's about the details. And it's uh, it's been an honor to be in the boat with him to learn that. And I've been fishing for a long time. But it's just kind of like, yeah, okay, I, I get it now. You know, being very uh, observant on what's going on. Hey, Br- hey Brian, did you pay him 20 bucks too? Yeah. Uh, he, bucks, he paid me nice. 30. <laughs> I was gonna say Mike's off. making money on it. Well, it was actually uh, Brad's twenty. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> See, Brad, we don't have sponsors, but Mike's the one making money off the podcast. He's the smart one. He's the yeah, smart right, one. Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, Brian, a little higher on the shoulder. <laughs> yeah, he's giving me a back rub right now too. So. <laughs> oh, no, I forgot where we even were. Well, imagine if I gave Mike a hundred dollars. <laughs> you don't even want. Oh to boy, go I'm gonna there. have to start. I'm gonna have to start editing things out. <laughs> you don't even want to go there. All right. Well, let's talk uh, more about fishing, less about what happens if Brad gives Mike a hundred bucks. 
Uh, I think a lot of it we just overthink. Right. Some things. I think if we just keep it basic and think, okay, you're in dirty water, the water, everything's changing up. How do you feel when it, you know, keep it basic, slow it down. Hey, we just moved the fish. What was it on? Bright, bright color. How fast were you going? I was, I was going fast. All right, there you go, man. All right, uh, you know, you catch one fish, it's okay, a sign. You catch two, it's better. You catch three, you're on a pattern. What if you're like me and you can't catch anything? You can't find, you can't get one to follow. Then what do you do? <laughs> Go back to oh the basics. Boy. Bucktails in the weeds. All right, I got it. <laughs> Let's see here. What do we want to talk about now, Brad? You're leading the charge. I'm just watching the end of the Saints Dallas game, so you got to you got to pull us through. Who's winning? It's uh 12 to 10. New Orleans is beating Dallas right now. Nice. 40 seconds left. Well, we've, we've talked a little bit about turnover, uh, Jeff. I think what we should do is talk about bait selection a little bit coming into the fall, you know, as our water temps drop and we go through chain, uh, turnover. I think we should uh, pick these guys' brains a little bit about what they're going to start transitioning into. Um, I know in my arsenal it's going to be wood and rubber. I will use blades at times. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as the fall begins to transcend, it's kind of wood and rubber. Honestly, for me, it's been wood almost all season long. I keep catching fish on suix, and it's pretty stupid because I can't catch them on anything else. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I've I've stopped throwing anything else. Like, I've literally go on a trip, and I'll have a tackle box full of stuff, and I'll throw two baits these days. It's been that yeah. stupid. It, it is weird. I mean, it's confidence, right? I mean, purely a lot of it is confidence. When you're confident in a certain certain uh, bait you're definitely going to be fishing it differently than you would with something that you don't feel confidence in so true well i took a trip to hayward it was with my daughter in august and i caught a fish on a copper carp 10 inch weighted suic and i've probably caught six fish on it since and it you know granted it's because i've been throwing a lot but it's just a like you said it was a confidence thing i caught one on it nice fish 46 is probably i think one of the biggest ones we had on film this year just fat and then uh over Labor Day, I stole it from my daughter. I caught a muskie on it. I let my buddy have it. He caught a muskie on it. My daughter's caught pike on it. Since then, I've caught a few other muskies on it. It's just, like you said, when you throw it, you just feel confident. So I keep throwing it. That's all I've been throwing lately. I've been trying blades and whatever. And Diving rise has been, it's been a good year for diving rise baits. Yeah, I haven't had a lot of success on blades lately. I know other people have, but, you know, for me personally, it wasn't working. Maybe it's, maybe it's a speed thing, Brad, because I'm... Maybe I should listen to you more often instead of just making fun of you. <laughs> well, the one thing that I can tell you too, Jeff, and it goes with anything, but, you know, as a guide, I'm usually the guy in the back of the boat trying different different baits and different tactics. And what worked yesterday is what my two clients are going to be using until something changes. You know what I mean? So you definitely uh, go with what worked last. And then from there... You know, one guy should be experimenting a little bit. And I think a lot of times is when clients get in the boat, they've just ordered a whole bunch of stuff from Team Rhino or wherever they order from, and they're excited to try these new baits. And I get that, and I appreciate that. But, you know, you got to use what's been working. Well, and every bait has its time and place. You know what I mean? I, you're not, you know, and I, a lot of guys don't realize that, that, there's certain baits that are designed for certain, you know, water temps, certain, you know, every, every bait has its time and place. 
you know, as we transition, Jeff, now into the fall time, again, I'll agree with, with Brad, rubber becomes a, a, big, a, a big part of our game plan. You know, I think it's just because it gets down deeper. We do slow things down a little bit. You know, when you're in that 70-degree water temp working rubber, uh, we work it very, very erratic, very hard snaps on it. And then as the water cools, we slow that presentation down to not so much of a stop and go. It's still a stop and go, but it's more longer sweeps with it than very erratic. So it's just slowing things down water temp wise, but rubber will be good. And don't overlook blades at this time of the year, or even into the fall. Um, I think blades can be very effective, especially, you know, if, if you slow things down, like Brad said, and that's, been probably the biggest thing as fishing with him over all these years is when when Brad says slow, sometimes it's painfully slow. Like you're almost thinking like I, there's no way that a fish is going to bite this lure. Uh, the blades are hardly turning, but we have the most success with it. So again, you know, lures have a, a, a certain certain lures have a time and place for sure. For sure. Well, let's break it down by certain lures. Let's go with top top three baits, Brad. I want we'll we'll go through each each person. So if, let's take your top. If you could only go fish with three baits in October, Brad, what are they going to be? In October, pick three baits. Yep. Well, I'm going to use either the double cowgirl or supermodel when it comes to blades, and the reason for that is the big blade, and they're the thinner blades, you know, than some of the other companies that have followed suit with our product. The reason that I like that is they open up wider and you can hang them. You can go really ultra slow, okay? Number two would be a bulldog, whether it be a pounder or a mag dog, definitely a huge triggering bait. <laughs> I mean, it's it's an old bait, but it's still a goodie, right? Absolutely. And then third, I would go to wood. And, and it really becomes strange. I mean, in the middle of the middle of October to the end of October, even in November, it'll switch back and forth to a dive and rise, to rubber, dive and rise to rubber. And it might be daily that that might change. And, um, you know, we make a big daddy. Production-wise, we don't do a really good job with it. And the reason we don't is I end up throwing away a lot of them because of the procedures and how we build them. Um, We're working on that, but it's been a go-to bait for me for years. And today might be rubber. You know what? Tomorrow you can't see a fish on rubber, throw wood. And Mike, you want to throw in your two cents? Your your You want to throw in your 20 bucks? Yeah, Mike, no, I, it, it, it took me a lot. You know, I had to really give some good compliments to get that money there. I don't want to lose it right now. You know, I would agree. My thing would be, for me personally, would be blades, for sure. Again, your, your cowgirls and your supermodels, for sure. Again, big profile. You can slow roll them, but yet it pushes a lot of water, gives off a lot of vibration. Second thing would be the bulldogs. Uh, for sure, you know, your pounders, slowing things down. And then thirdly, I would go with a, a with a magnum size glide bait. You've got that side to side. Uh, we love glide baits in the spring when the waters are about what we're facing now. Why aren't you throwing it now? They work good in the spring. A glide bait, I think, is a very overlooked fall presentation. I would just upsize it to, uh, you know, a magnum size, big profile glide bait. That's me personally. 
it's funny that you talk about glide baits because we sell a pile of them in the spring and we don't sell nearly as many of them in the fall. And I always think, why are people not throwing glide baits in the fall more? Yeah, I, I, I personally don't understand it, Jeff. I mean, the reason why glide baits do so well, it's because of that colder water, that side to side, big pauses yep. do very well. And what? so this fall, um, I personally never had a glide bait company until the last year. And uh, this fall, tomorrow, actually, when we go out, I will be throwing the Phantom Glides. They work good. And again, the only thing that's changed is we went from spring to fall. You know, it, 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 again, it's Watertown. I would, I would agree with Mike in the sense that when things are really tough and you can't get a follow, a lot of times your side-to-side gliders, you know, whether it be a Phantom or their new Exorcist. Um, I remember last year, maybe even two years ago, Jeff, when you were here. Two years. Yeah, we, we couldn't move a fish. Last fall was kind of that way, too, and we were just struggling. We weren't seeing fish. We put the Exorcist on, and all of a sudden, these fish were giving up their positions. So now we've got fish to go back on, you know, at a, at a key point in the t- in the day, whether it be a moonset or whatever. But um, And it worked for us. We ended up catching fish because of it. Yeah, you ended up catching fish because of it. Slow rolling your 10-9s in the back of the boat. Well, I was in the back. I gave you first crack. I know. I just, <laughs> I just suck. So, uh, <laughs> all, right, all right, Brian, let's hear from you. Enough, enough about me and not catching fish in the front of the boat. Well, I'm with these guys almost on everything there, you know, with the blades for sure. And if you want to get them deeper, you can even add like a bell sinker and slow roll them and get them down deeper. And then with the rubber, I mean, I like the double dogs. You know, they got that slow drop on them. And then um, I'm a big minnow bait. You know, 10-inch slammer, I love pulling them down. So When you're working your slammer, are you, like, ripping it? or you... I, I give them rips, but I the paws, you know, and also there you can add weights to them for hang time. But uh, I rip them down, pause. You always got to let them float up, and, you know, like everyone talks about, the dead rise. So I let them rise up, you know, 5, 10 feet from the boat. But just rip them and it's you know everything it seems have have to have that pause i'll use everything these guys said you know polarize glide but i'll just add the middle bait and then the double dogs you know and them double dogs is with that slow drop you can work them a lot slower now will you hang your your double dog as well yep oh yeah yep just a pump pause pump. so let's hear your three for my three i'm going to definitely go with a bulldog in the fall, whether it be a bulldog or a medusa, I'm, I always say bulldog, and I know a lot of guys catch fish on medusas too. The reason I say bulldog is because when I started musky fish, there was no such thing as a medusa. So going back to confidence baits, for me, it was always about confidence. And the dog is the first, that's my confidence rubber. So that's what I'm throwing. Guys want to throw medusas, that's fine too. I always, you know, some guys will say, well, I threw a dog for a while and I switched to a Medusa and I caught a fish. And I'm like, yeah, but I wonder if you would have just kept throwing the dog, would you have caught the fish too? You know, I'm, I I wonder. So I feel like those are interchangeable. That's those baits with the three tails, right? They do. They have three tails. I guarantee you've never thrown one. Uh, no, actually we did. Steve Jensen, actually, I think, wasn't that an episode that we did on Vermilion where he was gluing three tails on a bulldog? Oh, maybe. That was the year after the Medusa came out before or before yeah the year before the medusas came out we filmed and we were we were doing three tails on bulldogs it was kind of cool we caught some really nice fish on it 
Hmm. Ask Stevie about it. I will have to. Yeah. I talk to him once in a while. Yeah, I, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> then the other the other one I'm going to go with is either a Suic or a Bobby. This year it's been a Suic. Last year it was a Bobby for me. I did really well on Bobbies last year. They all they're all effective. Again, that would. If I could get a big daddy, if I could carry him, but somebody keeps telling me he breaks too many and I can't get a batch of them, I'd probably try a big daddy too, but I can't get one. And then the other bait that nobody's mentioned yet that is something I definitely use in October, and that's a Bondi bait because uh, there's a couple of lakes up north that are small, and about mid-October, bait fish moves out deep. Those muskies move out deep, so it's pretty common if I'm not trolling for me to go out there and jig bondy baits and run a sucker. So the bondy bait works. I've definitely caught muskies doing it. The only thing I don't like about jigging is as much as guys say like trolling is boring. Like honestly, if you're not getting bit, jigging is super boring, but it's definitely effective. Yeah. Have you ever played with the fuzzy dozens? I have a little bit. It again, it was a confidence thing. Like I hadn't done jigging probably till I, I developed it like five years ago. Steve was always a fuzzy does it guy way back in the day when I first started fishing with him and I never caught anything on it, but then I used a Bondi out deep. It was one of these days I was, I was fishing in shallower with dogs or not shallower. I was out deeper, but I couldn't, I didn't, I have a hard time sometimes counting my bait down and letting it get all the way down while I was running a sucker deep. I got hit on my sucker deep and I'm like, crap, what am I going to get? That's going to get down deep enough for that. I'm like, Oh, I got these Bondies here. I'm like, yeah, I suppose I could try that. I caught a fish on a Bondi, so I kind of been hooked on them for the last five, six years. And it's the same, you know, like it's a depth control thing. You can get them at, and you can work it at any depth really easy. And I just, I just jig it right underneath the transducer so I can literally watch it like I'm ice fishing. Yep. And I'll be honest with you. It is one of the most exciting ways to catch a fish is, is when you're vertical jigging like that. hundred percent. When yep. you get hit on it, it's awesome yep. when you're doing it and you're just, Three foot up, three foot down. <laughs> you don't expect that, and all of a sudden, wham! The rod just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it is fun. It is that way. Once you get once you get hit on doing it, then you're like, oh, all right, I can understand it. But until you do, it's painfully boring, in my opinion. That's just me. I mean, it, true. You can, like I said, you can watch it like you're ice fishing. You can just jig it straight up and down underneath the transducer, and that works. It helps occupy you a little bit. But if you don't, if you're not moving much, or you don't have much going on, it's it's painfully boring way to fish. Well, in talking about that, Jeff, too, is uh, the Rippin' Dog by uh, Musky Innovations. A lot of guys, it's kind of a, a secret, but they're casting it. They've had a lot of success up here in Minnesota doing that. It's kind of, it was kind of like, don't talk about it, don't talk about it. But uh, there are two hookups on that bait, and uh, one of them, the front hookup is designed for casting and with that blade on the back and how do you work it you cast it out and you rip it up and then just let it flutter down and then rip it up let it flutter down so even with those those jigging baits you can cast them and have success with them as well right brad you yeah hands you know, down i remember when they were prototypes and it was insane on how many fish were getting caught on it. And it kind of went out of favor. I mean, it kind of, there was a handful of guys that were doing it in Minnesota and then they were catching it and they did not want to talk about it or share it. It kind of got out and now it's kind of like, you don't hear about it. No, you don't hear about it. And I think a lot of times, a lot of these baits get forgotten about, you know? True. So, I mean, it works for a full month or whatever in the fall. 
And next year, it's kind of like it's put back in the box and it gets forgotten. Yeah. You know, but yeah, you're right. It, it was crushing fish. It truly was. Yeah. So don't, you know, just think that a jigging bait is for jigging. It can be cast and, and have success with it as well. Well, for now, I'm going to stick to my Bondi, but I'll have to bring a ripping dog with me and see what I can do. You'll like it. It'll change your life. You'll grow hair. Will I? Yeah. I might a- on your back. I might actually catch a muskie is what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like you're just going to throw that suet for the rest of your life. When yeah. I, hear earlier. I mean, if the shoe fits, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you're having such a hard time getting big daddies. I got 10 of them I was just given tonight. <laughs> Well, Brad like I mean again, Brad, Brad likes you more than he likes me. <laughs> I can barely get him to return a text during normal waking hours. I think he's tr- I think he's actually trying to avoid me. That's why he re- replies to my texts at two in the morning. Yeah, but the funny part is you still answer. No, no, I don't. Midnight, we're good. Midnight, I might. Yeah, two in the morning. No, I'm sleeping by two in the morning. Probably at midnight right now. Nope, ten ten thirty. We got. But but we're getting close to wrapping this one up. I think we should save probably one of the next episodes, Brad. We should probably talk about fall trolling because that's definitely something that guys should consider using. Well, for sure. I mean, if you're not doing it, you should be. And uh, I think, you know, it's funny. You talk to a lot of people, and when it comes to fall trolling, they're going to talk about it's boring, I'd rather catch one casting, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? When the water temps get down there, the air temps, more importantly, um, and you can't use your reel anymore effectively because it's icing up. Trolling becomes the major factor. Yeah, I think we should definitely touch on that. I think we got about a month here before we really get into that zone, but it definitely is something that we should talk about. We got a month here. I got about two weeks here, and I'm going to get in that zone. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of us, you know, aren't as weak as you. Know. <laughs> <laughs> some of us are slightly tougher than others, which is fine. <laughs> Uh, hey, I like fall trolling. I can put hand warmers in the front pocket of my hoodie, and I can have my hands in there all nice and warm. And Here, I'll, I'll tell you a tip before we get into it, okay? okay. Before we get into that, um, one of the things that I did years ago is you go to Fleet Farm or Walmart, and you get one of those uh, massage pads that you put in your car seat. It plugs in right into your cigarette lighter. They're like 15 to 25 bucks, and it has heat on it. And it's one of the greatest things you'll ever use in the fall when it gets gets cold on the water. You just you got a seat warmer. That is a good idea. Very good idea. Man, you can learn something from an old guy. Yeah, a little bit. That's good. Well, who's got something else to add to this episode? Well, I, I, I think that you know we're we're still kind of in that fall transition. It isn't really quite to what we talked about tonight, but. Uh, it's shortly coming, that's for sure. I'm going to say, but with the weather we got coming, or what's forecast, it'll be here sooner than we think. Yeah, northern Wisconsin will have it within a week. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of scary, honestly, Jeff. I mean, how when did we start this? What month? May. So we started in May. We're at, what is this episode? What number? I don't know, 26 maybe. Okay. That's Carrie, That's Carrie's job to keep me in line whenever she gives me the... the uh, social media image it tells me what episode it is that way i know <laughs> well she's she's got her bonuses there that's for sure yep but uh she hasn't she hasn't given up those duties yet so i'm waiting for you to start doing that <laughs> right you don't want to rely on me for that but no it's, it's scary i mean it's really scary that we're coming into october now the summer has flown by i can't even begin to explain how fast it's gone by like you said you know we're 20 we're 
26 episodes in. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. That's almost like a half a year. I can't believe people still listen to us. (laughs) (laughs) They're downloading. They're they're not listening anymore. Yeah, they're just making us feel good with the numbers. (laughs) Well, we appreciate them making us feel good because it's working. Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, that was a good time, right? Just if you got questions out there and you want them answered, we'd love to hear from you. So... Yeah, well, we did, uh, I mean, we seem to have some decent response to the one episode that you did where we just answered listeners' questions. So if you have those, feel free to drop them off on our email, backlashpodcast at gmail.com. I will add that if you'd like to support the show, you can go to muskymayhemtackle.com or teamrhinooutdoors.com, and you can purchase a Backlash hoodie or T-shirt, and that way it helps defray a few of our costs because we still don't have any sponsors, mostly because we're not that cool to have sponsors, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'd rather keep it away from the advertisement game. You know what I mean? I think the show is going to be way better if we can stay away from that for sure. Well, because right now we can freely talk about whatever we want to. I mean, Mike can't because he gets paid by you know guys like me and you. Right. Well, I, I'm pretty disappointed, guys, because I just was going to lay on a sponsorship yeah. with you guys. Jerry's Rotor Rooter Service <laughs> wanted to advertise with you guys, <laughs> but you guys shot that down right now. Yeah, we don't need Jerry yet. Maybe next year. <laughs> <laughs> you can always you can always count on Mike for some smart answers, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be an interesting couple days in the boat, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah I would imagine. I always look for, I look forward to this. It's, it's always fun with Mike in the boat. Mm-hmm. And it'll be my first time with Brian in the boat, so I'm looking forward to it. I heard he can catch him. That's what I heard. Rumor has it. Yeah, he, he catches fish. There's no doubt about that. Thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we just maybe he's gonna pay us now. <laughs> well, yeah, he just get he just slipped me a five. <laughs> hey, anytime you want to do these podcasts, I'm up fifty five bucks right now. <laughs> the way I look at it. So. And that's what I was just gonna say, Brian. You can send that twenty dollars my way, pal. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Brad, it's uh, it's time. Let's wrap it up. Why don't you talk about Muskie Mayhem Tackle, then we'll talk to Mike and Brian, and I'll wrap up for two other companies, and we'll put an put a cap on episode twenty six. All right, um, Brad. Hoppy. At least I hope it's twenty six. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> Carrie will let us know tomorrow. I'm Brad Hoppy from Muskie Mayhem Tackle. Um, you can reach out to us at muskymayhemtackle.com. Otherwise, you can look us up on Facebook or Instagram. We're the originators of uh, Big Bladed Flash Boobate. Mr. Keys? Yeah, you can check us out at keysoutdoors.com. We'll start airing this uh, January on Fox Sports North, Amazon Prime, and on our YouTube channel. So check us out. Yeah. We had a good year this year, so hopefully we can finish her off strong with some big fish. That's the goal anyways, and I'm in the right place, hopefully at the right time, but I know I'm with the right guy, Mr. Hoppy. I was going to say Brian Schaefer, but... (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know, one other thing that we should bring up too, Jeff, is uh, something that we're doing um, with a few of uh, Mike's sponsors, and that's the... Video. Yeah. Yeah. The quick clips, if you will, um, video. So if there's listeners out there that have some fish on video, um, whether it be a phantom bait, a musky innovations bait, or a musky mayhem tackle bait, um, send Mike the videos. You can look it up. Where where would they reach that, Mike? Just go to our website. We have everything listed right there. It's a very easy upload, um, and you got a chance at $1,700 worth of prizes. It's one of the biggest contest uh in the musky industry right now 
and we got a lot of uh i think we're at 48 videos so far and uh we've noticed that this fall that now last couple weeks a lot more videos are coming in so everyone has gopro so send them in yeah plus you can win a monthly prize too from team Rhino outdoors i think it's a 40 dollars gift card that's right that actually it's funny that you just said that because i was gonna say that because i just had amy call me and the guy that's all he wanted he said i could care less about the 1700 i got all that he goes he is a big yeah he's a big big spot uh big supporter of yours Jeff. nice i like to hear that i buy everything everything from team rhino perfect and then he, he got into the thing with amy about your handwritten notes beautiful that's good yep that's classic, dude. That was that's you. We only got so we got one fan. Awesome. He must. No, you got more than that. <laughs> uh, Brian, why don't you talk about you for a minute? Yeah, I'm I'm simple. I just got Facebook. Shaper Outdoors. Contact me right through. That's it. Sweet, simple, done. That's it. Simple. All right. Well, then I'll I'll take up the rest of the time then. So we got Backlash Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. You can email us again, backlashpodcast at gmail.com. Again, if you have any interest in a Backlash Podcast hoodie or T-shirt, check us out at muskymayhemtackle.com. They have some listed there. We have them listed on our website, teamrhinooutdoors.com. For Team Rhino Outdoors, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. I tweet once in a while, rarely, but once in a while. YouTube channel, we generally put out a weekly con- content every say like june through the end of the year which would be you know december january this year we're running long we almost have all of our youtube stuff done for the year already not edited but i gotta get on that but anyways we just put out a um, a new video today it was called october top october musky tips me and steve jensen talk about more of what we just kind of talked about tonight and if you want to reach team rhino outdoors you can email us to team rhino outdoors at gmail.com I think that's it brad i think you should do it quicker next time <laughs> do you <laughs> i don't know how you just did that but you did it good well, it's, i've done it 26 times now I'm getting better <laughs> <laughs> you probably practice on your way home from work don't you no i just got it written down right here on my phone i just read it right off <laughs> <laughs> you got a teleprompter yeah actually i don't i that one i that one i freehand generally speaking the first the opener i i do i actually have that in my phone so i don't screw that one up or just record it. Yeah. It's, it's, Jeff, speaking of that, how many cards have you given out so far? Gift certificates. As many as Amy tells me that I need to give out. Okay, so it's got to be about 48 then. No, we don't We don't get one out for everybody. We only give it out monthly. Yeah. So whatever. Amy, Amy generally tells me like, hey, here's the winner. And then I send him an email with a gift card. I do whatever Amy tells me. She's kind of the boss around there. Yeah, well, yeah, you and me both. She tells you where to fish. She tells me when to send out gift cards. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I think that does it. Episode 26. Thanks for coming out. We appreciate your time. Hope you guys put some big muskies in the boat this week. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, thank you.